Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast. Uh, We are excited that you're with us today. Uh, Chelsea, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) You doing okay over there? Yeah. A little silent. Yeah. Frog got your tongue? six o'clock in the morning. (laughs) We're not supposed to say morning. That's bad podcast (laughs) etiquette. People need to listen to this and not know when we're doing it. I've listened to several podcasts, and you can tell, you know. Okay, let's just start over. You could. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take two. You ready? Hello. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Good day. Good day. Or night. Whoever's listening. (laughs) Wherever you are. (laughs) Yes, whenever you're listening, just imagine this is exactly when you're listening to it. We're just talking to you. Yes. Immediately. Right That's now. correct. It is not currently dark in our house because the sun has not rose yet. Cool. Okay. All right. Listeners, y'all hear that? We're good. We're all on the same page. So what's been going on with Nimrod? <laughs> Chelsea quickly shovels it to the side. Um, yeah, so Nimrod's been, man, I don't feel like we've been busy, but we have been busy. Um, there's been a lot of things going on. Um, we are preparing for a men's group to come down uh, here this week. And yep, yep. Uh, we are excited about them coming. Um, they're doing something. Uh, this church that we partner with uh, sends uh, men down on a regular basis uh, throughout the year. And they just do something called 24 Hours with God. And we host them and love on them. And I get the opportunity to uh, just partake and uh, engage these men. It's not that I'm leading it or facilitating it, uh, but they are literally coming down and just taking 24 hours to sharpen each other as men in God's word and the conversation flows. Um, and it's, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. uh, we're excited about that coming up. Um, but, uh, some big news, uh, yeah. Chelsea, oh. you and Ridgely have written a book Yes, and, uh, you've been working really hard on it for maybe about a year now. It's about a year, uh, mainly because I attempted to illustrate it by myself. And then I finally had to swallow my pride and face reality that with a, six-year-old a four-year-old and a baby in the house it just was not happening yeah well we'll tell the listeners about your book tell what is it it's called how i became a superhero and it is ridgely's testimony um but we kind of put it in a fun really easy to read exciting book and um and so basically what it's about is ridgely um has watched her dad you and uh, and just watched how you love Jesus and how you follow Jesus, and she sees how the Holy Spirit works for you, through you, and um, and she basically sees those as like superhero qualities, and so she longs to be a superhero. She wants to be a superhero, and so she sees what you do and hears what you do, and she practices those things, and uh, one day she becomes a superhero. Um, and so then the whole, you know, second half of the book is her learning, you know, like you introduced her to her boss, who is Jesus. And so now she's learning how to have that relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, she talks about some of the challenges there, like 
she knows she's supposed to love people, but sometimes her little brother makes her mad. <laughs> um, and so how, how she's supposed to still do that in love, even though it's not easy. Um, and so I don't know. It's just a, a fun little book. And at the end, uh, we kind of wrote Ridgely's actual testimony. And, uh, and then we have some discussion questions in the back for parents to talk about with their kids. And, yeah, it's um, going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I told you, like... I was even more excited about it than uh, the Hands of a Warrior devotional. Um, well, because I don't know about that. <laughs> it, uh, man, it's it's really cool, guys. I can't wait for y'all to see it. It'll be on Amazon. It will be on will be on the Nimrod Outdoors website. Yes, and it's going to be everywhere. And we're actually um, doing pre orders right now, so I'm hoping to ship the book the first week of April. Um, so I'm doing pre-orders up to that point. And anyone who pre-orders is going to get an exclusive autograph from Ridgely. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because she told me that. She said, people want my autograph. And I said, <laughs> what is an autograph? And she looked at me kind of dumbfounded for a minute. She goes, well, it's my name. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So, uh, But it, it's good. It, it's going to be great. Um, guys, I'm telling you, if you have a young kid uh, or maybe you're involved in a church and they're uh, children's program. Um, this is going to be an awesome opportunity for uh, them to hear a story of someone their age yeah. that loves Jesus. Yeah, um, I'm excited about the impact it will make on kids, but what excites me even more is I'm hoping that the parents who are reading it are touched by it as well, and it gives them an opportunity just to look into their own lives and see how they are living their life in front of their kids. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it. Bring it, bring it. Well, uh, today, guys, we are going to talk about, we're going to dive into something that uh, really I feel like the Holy Spirit just laid on me while I was having a conversation with another brother in Christ the other day. Um, And uh, we were just talking about how God moves us through life and talking about how, you know, what is the next right step? I think as Christians and even even people in the secular world will say, like, what's my next step? Like, where should I be going? I, I can remember in school growing up, like all the teachers and like were, was like, you need to have a five year plan, a 10 year plan and a 15 year plan. And so they we all want to know what is our next step. But as Christians, our main question we ask is, all right, Lord, what is your will? Like, where am I moving to next? Like, mm-hmm. what do you want me to go to? How can I be faithful in this next step? And uh, I was talking to this brother in Christ and just talking about how we always want open and closed doors. You know what I mean? We, yeah. I hear it all the time. I'm guilty of saying it. Like, Lord, if this is what you want, make it abundantly clear. Just open that door. And if it's not, just close that door. Um, but when I was talking to this guy, it just hit me. And, and talking about, like, Scripture talking in Matthew chapter 14. And we'll, we'll go back and read it here in a moment about how... Peter, Peter and the disciples are on the boat, and Jesus is walking on water. And Peter says, Lord, if that's truly you, command me to come out and walk on the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like a scenario where we're in the boat, and we're like, all right, Lord, if this is really you, if this is really what you want, open that door and tell me to come walk out on the water. Sure. And and Peter does it. But there's there's a small, just kind of little sentence in there. Um, that I think we miss, and it's where it says that the wind and the waves were coming against the boat. And so there, were, there was a storm on the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Matthew, it says it very briefly, um, but if you look at other accounts, uh, other gospel accounts, which I find interesting, they don't even really talk about Peter walking on water, but they do 
all the accounts talk about the how the how the wind was coming against the boat the waves were coming against the boat and so sure. there was some amount of storm that was there um, yeah. and uh, we don't talk about that we think okay it was a perfectly glass you know the water was like a glass carpet for Peter to walk out on mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't and Jesus didn't calm that storm for him to step out of the boat uh, it was in the midst of the storm that Peter stepped out and so yeah. we'll dive into that a little more but um, Chelsea what do you think about that you, you got any thoughts before we really dive in yeah um, yeah actually I do so uh, there is a friend that had posted something on Facebook a devotion that she was doing and this has been years now um, but I will never forget it because it was such a perspective shift for me um, and just how I look at, at storms, for example, um, and just, I guess, my own struggles. I remember in that moment, like, I was in a place of life where I felt like I was not experiencing a lot of joy, and I remember feeling frustrated with that. Now, on a side note, I was a fairly new Christian, or at least, like, you know, in, in my baby steps of being a Christian, and... Um, and so I just, I didn't understand, like, you know, when you're saved, you're supposed to experience joy, and why was I not experiencing this joy all the time? And, uh, and around that same time that I'm struggling with that, my friend makes this post on Facebook, and it talked about how um, we often expect to be on the mountaintop, and then sometimes we are brought down to the valley, and when we're brought down to the valley, we are just like, oh my goodness, like, why am I in the valley? I need out of the valley, and all we can see and focus on is the mountaintop. But when we look at scripture in the Bible, it's not ever talking about the mountaintop. I mean, really, we are in a sinful world. Like, we're never promised a mountaintop. We are promised the valley. And when you read scriptures, we're often reading about the valley or the storms. And and what scriptures tell us is he promises to go through those with us. It's not that he promises to, to take us out and put us on the mountaintop. Um, and I remember just being like, wow, okay. Like yeah. I, my focus is completely wrong. Like I need to be focused on, I'm, I'm in a sinful world. I'm gonna face struggles and trials and tribulations and they're gonna come and go. And sometimes it's gonna be a small thunderstorm while well, sometimes it's going to be a category five hurricane. Um, but I need to take my eyes off the mountaintop and actually be focusing on walking through those trials with him and focusing on what he's wanting me to get out of those trials. Sure. So the mountaintop in this scenario is basically us saying we want to be removed from the storm. We, we want sure. to be, you know, taken out of this situation. Yeah. And, and then when we, when we dive into scripture, we see that those storms, are used to produce greater things in us. Right, um, yeah. Well, and, and the mountaintop could be different things for different people. I mean, right. it could be financial. It could be blessings. It could be comfort. I think comfort is a huge thing, especially here in, in the United States. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's an amazing perspective shift, um, and I, I hope the listeners hear that is you know, ultimately we will reach the mountaintop and that is eternity with Christ and God in heaven um, and spending eternity with them. Uh, But in the moment that we are in this world, like uh, I think so many times we miss so many blessings Mm -hmm. because we are, we are too focused on getting removed out of the storm Mm -hmm. rather than 
staying in the storm and learning what God has for us. Yeah. Um, you know, actually going off of that, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was talking about trials and tribulations and struggles and, and pain we go through in life and, and pain in relationships and all that. Um, and I can't remember who said it, uh, but, um, and so I, I'm going to say that this is, this credit is not to me. So don't, sure. don't think that I'm saying this, uh, but it, it was a, one of those moments of a perspective shift for me as well is, uh, it says pain redeemed is more powerful than pain removed. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what they're basically saying is there is going to be pain, but if you can, if you can trust in God and Christ to work through that pain in your life you'll be stronger on the other end than if, if they had just, just taken away, if they had just removed that pain sure. from you. Um, yeah. and, 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 and a side note too, like talking about the mountaintop, God still gives us glimpses of the mountaintop. Sure. So it's not that like our whole life is just going to be suffering. Like we're going to have glimpses of his goodness and blessings. And I think, um, that we also need to be open to seeing those more. And if we change our perspective and, and instead of us just being in, in a struggle and us sitting there being like, Oh, why am I in the struggle? Like I'm longing for the mountaintop instead. If we're like changing that focus and, um, and asking God to show us what he needs to show us in that struggle, then, and when we, you know, like are focused a little bit more on where we're at, but focusing on God through where we're at, um, then maybe those mountaintops are going to be more visible. Sure. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so let, let's dive into some scripture here. Um, and, and I'm going to read the account in Matthew of Peter walking on water. It's found in Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting in verses 22 and running through verses 33. Um, I'm just going to stop at verse 31, though, um, and we'll go from here. But in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, and when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So, um, what I find amazing about this is, uh, one, G- Peter walked on water. Like, think about that request in and of itself. Like, it's not humanly possible. And so for him to even think to ask that, like, yeah, Jesus walked on water, but Jesus is Jesus. And he's like, Lord, let me walk on water. And, and how many times in my life... Um, do I limit myself on what I think is humanly capable? So I ask God all the time, like, hey, God, do this for me. And I can remember just in conversations with about Nimrod and, and where Nimrod's going and where the ministry's going. And there's so many times, like I said, if I can just get this 
And I can remember my dad saying like, but what if God had so much more for you? Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't even comprehend that. And he goes, it's not for you to comprehend. It's, it's for what God has provisioned for you. And so right here, like who in the right mind would say, if it's really you, tell me to walk on water. Like that, that blows my mind in and of itself is that Peter is not just asking Jesus to prove himself in a natural realm but to prove himself in a supernatural realm yeah. um, and having the faith to ask it. And then when Jesus doubles down, it's like, sure, come on. Come on in. He actually steps out of the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a time, you know, is walking on water. Now, obviously we see that the storm, it says that the wind and the wave were against the boat and that Peter eventually started focusing on what was going on around him rather than focusing on Jesus. Yeah. Um, the fears pulled away from his faith. Yeah, the the fears of life, yeah, pulled him away from focusing on Jesus. Now, what I really want to focus on today and what I want to talk about is, you know, Peter didn't say, hey, Jesus, if it is you, command me to walk out on the water. But before you do that, I want you to calm the sea and allow me to step out on the calm waters. Sure. Um, and how many times in my own life and our, our life, Chelsea, have we sat there and we're like, all right, Lord, if this is from you, like, like make it abundantly clear. But I think in our, in our Western culture and our Western mindset and in America, like we want comfortability at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Right. Like sometimes the next greatest thing God has for us is through the midst of a storm. And we have to step out of the boat in the middle of a storm in faith. Yeah. Um, but in reality, what, what, what is the natural thing to do here? If, if there's a storm, you, you get to the center of the boat, you huddle down, you, you know, try and get out of the elements, you try and get out of the wind. You, you know, I'm sure water was spraying them in the face. They're doing what they can to not get wet. Um, but what Jesus is asking Peter here to do here is, hey, step out of the boat mm-hmm. in the middle of the storm. Um, and you know, I think back to, I was telling you before we started recording, like my grandmother, my dad's dad, uh, I called her granny. She loves storms. I can remember as a kid sitting in her, uh, you know, sunroom porch, uh, when a thunderstorm would come and, you know, when lightning would strike, you know, at dark, it would light up that whole room and she would just sit there and she said, I love the sound of the patter on the roof of the rain. I love the thunder. She used to tell me that the thunder was angels bowling in heaven and all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, she loves storms. That's great. And I, you know, part of that is in me now. Like whenever we have a thunderstorm, I love sitting on our porch and, and listening to thunder. Like when it thunders, I love feeling that power. But now as I'm older and I start thinking about that, the only reason I love storms and the only reason she loves storms was because we're sitting in the comfortability of our home sure we are protected from that storm and would i be having the same mentality if i was out in the middle of the yard with nothing to protect me from it yeah well we've, we've seen that we've seen christians in in africa in the slums of africa who if they even have a roof over their head is broken and um, i think was it with you or was it i don't remember but one of our trips out there we had heard the story of of literally their mattress was as high up as it could be on their floor because of course their floors are the natural ground so it was not flat Um, and so they had their mattress which is really the only thing in their house as high up as they could on the ground and if they had enough rain it would actually fill up 
their floor enough that it would reach their mattress. Yeah. And so they would try their hardest to keep it out of that. So, I mean, what just, you know, again, like it's our culture and our Western mindset that like we can't even fathom to have that experience. Like, oh, sure, bring on the storm. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I can sit here with my coffee and enjoy it from inside my home or sure. my porch. And well, and I think that's, you know, and, and we're talking about physical storms here. But in reality, we're talking about spiritual storms um, because that is the storms in which define us. Um, You know, if we look at John, John 16, 33, I mean, Jesus said, uh, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so he says that you may have peace, but you will have tribulation. And so, like, I think about Peter stepping off on the boat or stepping out of the boat his initial step he was focused on jesus and so he had peace even though the storm was around him and was raging his focus was on christ and so he had peace even though that there was tribulations going around and even though that this physical storm was around him in our life in our spiritual storms um, and things of we don't know what's going on or, or why we need to stay focused on Christ. And he says that, you know, but take heart because he has overcome the world. Well, if you go to Romans, Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And so what do we see here is like, what Paul is saying is, man, like these spiritual storms that come into our life, like if we just remove them, do we get, do we get endurance? Do we get the character? Do we get the hope? You know what I mean? It all builds on each other through endurance. It produces character mm-hmm. and through character that produces hope. And because we, because hope does not put us to shame, you know, it's God's love. And so, you know, I think so many times we want to be removed from the storm. And instead of saying, Lord, you know, what is my next step? Or Lord, I'm in the middle of the storm, open a door so I can be removed from the storm. I think more often we need, we need to ask the question, Lord, I'm in this storm. And maybe I caused this storm for myself. Maybe someone else caused this storm for me. And maybe this is just a product of sin in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe we do know why that storm is there. But instead of saying, Lord, remove me from this, you know, instead of removing the pain, redeem me through the pain. Mm-hmm. And so the question we need to ask constantly is, all right, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? Because yeah. I think so many times we're so focused on getting out of it. We don't take the time to try and learn what God is trying to teach us and trying to build in us through it. Sure. Um, and and we, you know, we want to celebrate God when he removes us from the storm. And this is going to sound kind of crazy, but do we celebrate him because of the storm? Yeah. Do we celebrate him because we're like, Lord, I don't like this, but you are doing something in me and I want to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and shouldn't it too, like make us more excited about heaven, you know? Sure. I mean, like just knowing, okay, if, if our life is going to be full of trials and storms. Um, yet we are promised that through salvation, that he is going 
to eventually actually calm the storm. Like he's going to rescue us. He's going to pull us out of it. And we're going to have eternity and a place where there will not be a single storm. Yeah. I mean, like, so instead of, you know, I think it's great that we want those glimpses of that now. But if we can focus on, okay, like what is God's purpose with us here? And we focus on that and then know that we are promised that we will eventually be rescued from the storm and sure. we will never have to face a storm again because we're going to be in his presence and his holiness and like like how cool is that absolutely yeah and one last one last verse just to kind of wrap this up you know james chapter one verses two through four you know it the whole book of james starts off like this it says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's the thing. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Mm-hmm. I can admit I don't count it joy at all nope. when I face trials. I get frustrated. I get mad. We I get We complain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Like, and I read James, and I'm like, oh, yeah. But then, like, I read it again, the Holy Spirit slaps me, and he's like, hey, 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 right here, it says, count it all joy. Man, I don't, that, that is hard to wrestle with. Yeah, because we don't see, we don't see the storm as a joyful experience. We see the mountaintop as a joyful experience. Sure. And, and what's awesome is, so, count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Like, I don't do that. I'm mm-hmm. awful at that. I'm, I'm terrible at that. But then it says, because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and then verse four it says and let steadfastness have its full effect Hmm. so what is james saying there james is like stick to it stick in it to the end ride that storm yeah because at the end of the storm steadfastness will have its full effect how many times have we experienced that especially in the last few years doing ministry you know we're like God, you moved us to in the middle of nowhere, Elberton, Georgia, and we know this is what you called us to do. We left everything. We quit our jobs. We didn't even have a job. We like just moved down here and we're like, okay, now what? But we knew we were called to it. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and we're like, God, like, yeah. what the heck? <laughs> like, this, this makes no sense. Like, why, why would, why could we not stay comfortable in Brevard? And, and then, you know, like after COVID, you bring us down here and, but goodness, did it not work out exactly like it should have? Well, and it always does. Yes. It is just us getting our mind and our soul right with the Lord and what his perfect plan is. Yeah. And and I can remember, like, you know, you bring up COVID and not to derail too much further, but that's <laughs> how my mind, go, my mind goes. Like, you know, I remember, and I've talked about this on this podcast, but I remember being bitter and calling my dad and being like, Dad, what in the world has God up to? This makes no sense to me. And he told me to go read, reread the story of Noah and the Ark. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I was like, all right, what do you want? You know, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm too bitter to even want to do this, but dad, what do you want? And he's like, how long did it take Noah to build the Ark? And, you know, it took him 60, you know, well, 40 years to build the Ark. And then some scholars say it took another 60 years for it to rain. Yeah. And like, which so- they had never seen rain which they've never seen rain before so those yeah. people were like who is that crazy man over there yeah and i and i tell people all the time i'm like so you're looking at a hundred potentially a hundred years 
40 years of faithfulness of building something that made no sense to culture whatsoever. Yeah. And then another 60 years of sitting there just waiting. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you think Noah was like, all right, God, any, any time now, like <laughs> you tell me to continue to rep- to preach repentance and like, I got this boat. What's a boat? What, do, <laughs> what is this thing? I mean, I, the way I think about it is like 60 years. Like that's like my dad, me being born to my dad and being like, dad, what's, what's this dude doing? He's like, ah, oh, his name's, his name's Noah. He's going to build an ark. He says it's going to rain. And he what, says what, it's going to rain. <laughs> yeah. And I grow up and I have kids and my kids like, Hey Noah, like, or Hey dad, what's that? I, I don't know. My dad told me that that dude's name's Noah. He's building this thing called an ark. It's going to rain. Oh, okay. And then my kids have kids <laughs> and they're asking the same question. Like three to four generations in, they're asking the same question. Who's this crazy dude named Noah that's building this thing called an ark? But Noah was faithful. I mean, who knows? You know, we don't know every conversation Noah had with God. Sure. But he was faithful. And so what my dad was trying to teach me is like, God's plan is perfect. Yeah. You just need to stick in it. Mm-hmm. And, and allow steadfastness, as James is saying, allow steadfastness to have its full effect. Yeah. And um, that means we got to drop our pride. That means we got to drop our expectations. That means we got to drop our quote unquote plan and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to take the next right step. And yes, I want you to open doors. Yes, I want to make yourself clear. But that doesn't mean that you're going to calm the storms around me. Just as Peter did, Lord, if that's truly you, if this is truly what you want, command me to step out. And what did Jesus say? Come on. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Like, no big deal. Come on. Like, it was not like, hold on, i got to get myself ready so that I have the power to hold you up on the water. No, it was immediate. Immediately. Come. Now, the other cool thing is, how many times do we fail in these storms? We fail all the time, right? Oh, Oh, yeah. Just like Peter failed. But what I find amazing is, even though Jesus kind of rebuked him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What did it say? It said, the minute that Peter started sinking, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. Mm-hmm. And it says, immediately, the Lord reached, reached out and saved him. Yeah. And so, we're gonna, there's gonna, we are flawed vessels, and there's going to be times in the midst of storms where we fail. Mm-hmm. And we stop focusing on Jesus, and we start focusing on the storms around us, the winds and the wave. Yeah, but he's always there. But if we are faithful to say, Lord, I need you, immediately he is there. Yeah. That doesn't, he didn't remove Peter from the storm either. He just grabbed him. Yeah. It says that when they got back in the boat, that the wind and the wave stopped. So that's another thing you got to understand is what James is saying, allow steadfastness to have its full effect. Jesus didn't stop the storm to rescue Peter. Sure. He rescued Peter in the storm, and then they still had to walk back to the boat before the storm was calm. Yeah. And we miss that so many times. We think, oh, the minute we hold on to Jesus, everything, it all goes away. That's not what it's saying here. Mm -hmm. You know, the storm continued to rage until they got back in the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jesus could have saved Peter in multiple different ways in that instance, but he allowed the storm to continue on and still saved him. I mean, he could have just said, all right, Peter, you're going to now float. The wind and waves can stop. 
But no, it says that Jesus reached out and saved him. But it wasn't until they got back in the boat that the storm stopped. And so, you know, I just, this was something that just was, I mean, it was a perspective shift in life of basically just having a conversation with a brother a couple weeks ago of how this just came to my mind while I was talking to him and how many times in my life I asked God to open a door and I want it to be an easy process of walking through that door. But when we read scriptures, more times than not, it's not going to be an easy process. Yeah. I was trying to look something up. What you trying to look up? I remember doing a devotion and it was talking about comfortus. Mm. It was like the word for comfort. And it meant like God, like basically him being with us. But I was trying to look that up and it doesn't say that word at all. So I don't know if that devotion was completely made up or (laughs) (laughs) because this is saying the Greek word for comfort and I'm going to butcher this, but it's paraklesis. And so paraklesis is actually two different words. And the first part is para, which means along, alongside, and klesis, which means call or called. So the total word paraklesis, which we call comfort, um, it actually means to come alongside. And uh, I just find that really interesting because I think sometimes in our Western mindset, we don't really understand what the word comfort means. Um, and I think I used to, I used to feel like, oh, if I want to be comforted like, I want to be almost like pampered or, um, just removed from the situation or just make everything better. But that's not what the word comfort means. Like the word comfort actually means like to come alongside. So God is, is promising comfort in the fact that he promises to go through that trial or through that storm with us, not to take, not to calm the storm or to take us out of the storm. Sure. Absolutely. That, that's a good word. And I think, you know, that's exactly what scripture is trying to say. But I think sometimes we put on these lenses of culture mm-hmm. and when we read things, we, we view it through our cultural lens. Um, but the thing about scripture is, is it, it is not bound by any one culture. It's not bound by any one nationality or, you know, demographic. It sure. is, it is, it supersedes and transcends all that. And so when we read this, we almost have to do the best we can to step out of our culture and out of our, our, you know, lens in which we have been built in, in our society and read this just as bluntly and as plainly as it is. Um, so that's, that's a great word, Chelsea. I want to, I want to kind of wrap this thing up though, with one last, one last thing, um, with us talking about Nimrod outdoors and raising spiritual leaders. Like obviously we could talk about storms on an individual level, spiritual storms and and whatnot. Um, but what does this mean for us as parents? Like how do we raise our kids in this world with them knowing or hopefully knowing that there will be storms? I, I feel like in our culture today, we have this mindset of like, don't ruin your your child, your kid's childhood. Like, make them think that it's all rainbows and unicorns, and they don't need to worry about this. They don't need to worry about that. Like, you know, we always say, I want to give them a better life than I had. And while I do want to give my kids a great life, I think it is important for them to understand scripture, even from an early age. Sure. Because if all we ever say is, hey, it's rainbows and unicorns, and then in middle school they're confronted with the verse that says you will have trials and tribulations, 
how are they going to wrestle with that? Well, we can't bubble so, wrap them either. Like we can't protect them completely from life. Life right. happens. Right. And so I think one thing we, you and I as parents, we, we're not perfect. <laughs> I think we can admit that. But one thing we do is um, we let our kids know that there are trials and tribulations out there. Mm-hmm. Now our kids are uh, seven, seven five, five now <laughs> seven five in a year and a half and so <laughs> every year it does it's crazy I don't understand. <laughs> uh, you know they're they're young now where they don't need to know the full extent of what's going on in our lives and the struggles and trials and tribulations but i think it is it is prudent and it is wise to allow them to know that we are going through a storm yeah um, like i think i don't think we need to give them more weight than they can <clears throat> carry yeah i was thinking about that quote the other day talk talk about that well i think we've said this on the podcast before i don't remember but uh, i don't even remember who wrote it or (laughs) i think it was Corey ten boom maybe i think so yeah and and so she was riding on a train with her dad and Mm. this particular thing was more about like sexual morality and stuff but um but it applies it applies and as a parent especially like it it touched my heart and so uh, she had been around some girls, and the girls had been talking about things that adults talk about or experience. And so she, her mind had not been exposed to that yet. And so it was a very new topic to her. And, uh, and so she didn't quite understand. And so she had brought it up to her dad. They're riding on a train, and she brought it up to her dad, and her dad did not respond. And so she was, she was confused. And just sat there in silence. And then finally their train came to their stop. And so her dad stands up and says, here, will you get my bag down for me? Well, she can't reach it. So he gets it and puts it on the ground. He's like, can you just carry my, my bag off the train? And she's sitting there trying to pick it up. And she's struggling. And she can't. And, you know, maybe gets it lifted off the ground for a second. And then she puts it back down. She, she's like, Dad, this is too heavy. I can't carry it. And he goes, exactly. Like, when when it comes time to where you are strong enough to carry this the weight of this then I will give it to you he goes but for now let me carry it yeah and it was just like oh like it gives me chills just thinking about that like just everything that our kids could be exposed to in our world right now um and I feel like unfortunately our our society is exposing very young kids to things that are just not ready for and it causes a lot of confusion um and but you know, in reality, we as parents, like we get to carry that weight yeah. and it's what a blessing that we get to carry that weight. And when it's right, then we can start offloading some of that weight for them to carry. Sure. Um, well, and I think that's, what's amazing is I think our culture would say like, would be so focused on how the dad took the weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he did, and he did, but he could have taken the weight and not mentioned anything to her at all. Sure. But what he did in that moment was he allowed his daughter to realize that there was weight. Yeah. And that it was something she could not handle. Yes. And so in that moment, I think we missed this, but in that moment, he acknowledged to her and allowed her to know that the world is weighty. Mm-hmm. And there are things in this world that are hard and hurt and are confusing and whatever else. He didn't just bubble wrap her and, and say, go off doing what you're doing. Don't worry about this at all. Like he acknowledged that there's weight. Yeah. And so that's where I think as parents, it is our job to 
allow our kids to realize that the world is weighty. Mm-hmm. And there are things in this world that we're going to come against that make no sense at all. And they're hard and we just want to be removed from them. But what does James say? Let steadfastness have its full effect. And so as parents, it is our job to correctly discern where our kids are spiritually and what they can handle and what they can't. But I definitely think the answer is not just letting them run off into la-la land, not not knowing that there are hardships at all. Because our job, you know, Chelsea and I, you and I have talked about this, but our job is to raise up God-honoring warriors for the kingdom of Christ. And that means they got to know scripture, mm-hmm. not just the good scriptures of Jesus loves them, but right. the hard scriptures of you're going to have trials and tribulations right. and people are going to hate you because they hated Jesus. And, yeah. you know, what does that mean for us as Christians and how we live our life? Mm-hmm. Our kids need to know that. And so we want to raise our kids to be biblically literate in order to expound on God's word and truth and do it with love. Mm-hmm. We say all the time, we want to release our kids into this world with the love of Jesus in their mouth and the word of truth in their hand. Yeah. Um, and in order to shine light into the darkest places there are. But if our kids don't know there's darkest places, when we release them in this world, that darkness is just going to eat them up. Sure. Because we did not prepare them to go into this world knowing that there are these tra- trials and tribulations. Right. They're going to they're going to expect the mountaintop and they're going to yeah. be very confused when they're in a valley. Sure. They're they're going to you know, I'm supposed to be up there. Why am I down here? Yeah. And so each kid each kid is going to be on a different level at different times. Um and so it is it is our job again, man, this goes right back into the heart of the ministry in the outdoors. Not every kid's the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I've had multiple dads that have twin boys or boys about the same age that want to come on a trip. And they're like, well, I can't take one and not take the other. And man, I want to fight against that because each one of those kids are individuals. Yeah. Even if they are identical twins, they are individuals. Sure. Or even if they are one or two years apart and they're your only two kids and you think you're being unfair, that individual kid needs your personal attention and love. Sure. And so you do it with one, and then you could come back and do it with another. Mm-hmm. But if you treat them as a unit, they're never going to understand the trueness and the relationship Christ has for them because they've always been treated as a unit. Mm-hmm. And so also, just because they are so close in age does not mean they are spiritually or mentally on the same level to be able to handle things sure. in different accords. Right. And so that's where, you know, Sometimes when something happens in front of our kids as a collective, you and I take the time to have conversations on different levels in private. Mm-hmm. And we normally do that when, you know, our kids are going to bed because Matthias is in his room, Ridgely's in her room. And so I, I know for my own sake, I, I tailor my conversations differently for each of these kids because Matthias is five. Ridgely, barely five. Barely five. Ridgely has a little bit more year of experience, years of experience. And Matthias, I love you, bro, but your sister's a whole lot more mature <laughs> than you are. I mean, even when Ridgely was five. Yeah, even like her, her just her mature maturity is at a much higher level 
even at five than Matthias is now. Yeah. Um, and so Matthias, I love, love him to death. He's a goofball and he loves making people laugh. And that is great. Although he pulled out some theological question last week. That was like, do what? <laughs> that was directly from the Holy Spirit. He didn't pull that out. So, um, but you know, so we have to understand that each one of our kids are individuals and Christ treats them individually. And so we need to not just make blanket statements and we need to have individual conversations, but then also, you know, be discerning of what weight they can carry and, uh, and, and not just say, okay, well, it's rainbows and unicorns. And so I think that's an important thing to talk on on this. So, uh, but yeah. that's kind of all I had. What do you got? I think that's it. You're done. I think so. Boom. Wrap it up. Boom. I'm ready for breakfast. Or lunch or dinner, wherever you are at. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever meal comes next. There you go. Wrapping it full circle. Podcast etiquette. We don't have any etiquette around here. We're the dozers. So, uh, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this. Um, as always, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.